0: Voices of VR Podcast. Hello, my name is Kent Pai, and welcome to the Voices of VR Podcast. It's a podcast that looks at the future of spatial computing and the structures and forms of immersive storytelling. You can support the podcast at Patreon.com/slash Voices of VR. So, continuing on in my twenty-four episode series of looking at different experiences and folks at South by Southwest, today's episode is with Roman Rapak who is a part of the Miroshot band and also is creating this wristband platform. And so Mirror last year did a whole mixed reality live music performance where Roman and his band with Mirror were on stage and had around 100 people in the audience last year with Gear VR headsets using the pass-through mixed reality mode. I did a whole deep dive with Roman last year on the evolution and journey of this piece. And this year, I was able to do a very quick update with Roman after the live performance that he had with MiraShot that was happening at the venue in Austin, Texas. And so this year it was much more scaled down in terms of like only like seven or eight people got to see it at once because they had like 20 different HTC elite headsets, which is the latest iteration of HTC's standalone headset. It's got this diopter control where you can shift for focus so you can wear it without your glasses. It's really close up to your face, it's really lightweight. I'm not sure how good of a location-based experience type of headset is because it is like a lot of things like you have to adjust the diopter and put it on. It's not as streamlined for a location-based experience. I feel like the HTC Elite is more for folks that are going to use this more lightweight headset on their own because it's like additional friction for onboarding and everything but anyway they're using a high fidelity mixed reality pass through of hdc elite there's the band up on stage and you're kind of switching back and forth between the mixed reality pass through and going on this immersive virtual reality adventure where there's some scenes on unreal engine where you're going through these different locations like a city or a mountain or open field and throughout the course of this piece Roman is live mixing and so every performance is actually a little bit slightly different but you're going back and forth between when I happen to see it during the chorus, you're having the mixed reality pass through, so you are seeing the band, sing the chorus, and then in the verses, you're kind of going more on this immersive venture. So the whole idea here is that in the beginning of his concert, they would have this more intimate experience for people to go through, and he's playing this song over and over and over again for a couple of hours because there's only like seven people that can go through at a time, and then while people see it, they're having this whole immersive experience and adventure that is connecting them to this whole experience. I personally loved listen to that same song over and over again. I just thought it was like really catchy and it kind of creates this meditative trance-like experience from the audience member's perspective. If they're there waiting in line with the anticipation to see what is going to be the immersive component, they can cure this audio soundtrack track on this repeat. Almost like if you find a song that you really like and you just put it on repeat and listen to it over and over again. It was kind of like that, but like a live performance of that. And I've never actually seen that before. And I realized that most of the time when I listen to music, it's in that repeat or I just kind of like get myself into this trance state. So I found myself getting into that trance state and to see all the different innovations that he's able to do over the course of last year with this live mixed reality performance. And so anyway, we, we do a bit of a quick dive into that. And we don't talk as much about the wristband component, but there is another component where people remotely can go into this virtual reality experience through like a browser based pixel streaming. So it's really high fidelity and you kind of go on this adventure and to find a digital twin of this video to be able to listen to that song remotely. But there's also this finding this Jägermeister character that then allows you to like buy this NFT if you find it. So yeah, I found that a fun way to do this, translation of what they're doing in this mixed reality performance into this whole other platform that we covered a lot more last year in the two discussions that I did with Anne McKinnon and Roman Rappak to be able to break down the wristband platform. This was mostly about the mirror shop mixed reality performance because it was a very short time that I had to chat with Roman before he had to go back and rest and do a live performance there at eleven o'clock that evening as a part of the, the end of the immersive virtual reality component of South by Southwest, which only had an exhibition on the 12th, 13th, and 14th. So, anyway, that's what we're covering on today's episode of the Voices of VR podcast. So this interview with Roman happened on Tuesday, March 14th, 2023, at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. So, with that, let's go ahead and dive right in.
1: My name's Roman Rapak. I play in a band called Mirror Shot, and we have developed a new way of blending XR with live music. So it's a concert which is the show that we play before our regular show. So it's like an intimate, immersive experience. And the kind of hook, I guess, to people who are in the XR community is this isn't go to a place, sit down, be put in a headset on your own. We use the pass-through camera so that people will know, which is the, I guess, the AR part of the headset. So the camera's on board the headset because the crucial part of what we do I believe in with this as a technology is that it's not going to be about people on their own in their rooms or going to raves in VR chat that at this stage the technology is early and clunky but as Apple release a headset and as we get XR contact lenses and there's a layer of the virtual over everything that eventually there'll be all different types of content that you experience in the real world with a layer of the virtual so this is our kind of first step towards it
0: Nice. Well, I guess last year I saw the Gear VR version, which maybe was the first step. This feels like a second step, or at least maybe a third or fourth. So maybe you could talk a bit about what has changed since last year.
1: I guess the thing that I think holds people back with tech is it's quite expensive to put on an XR experience. It's quite expensive to get developers and and do all that. So that kind of means it does become quite elitist. The direction it goes in as an art form is kind of dictated either by a big company or by someone who's raised a lot of investment, or someone who's got a big brand partner involved. And I think there's an analogy with what happened with synthesizers, right? That originally synthesizers were only for prog rock stadium bands, because they were super expensive. And so they were this symbol of like, having tons of cash and being able to do things with this brand new technology that was expensive. And I think what's happening now is, because of things like Unreal Engine, and because of the headsets getting cheaper, is that it is getting in the hands of people who are maybe not aligned with a brand or a corporate entity. And I think that's traditionally when things get interesting with new tech.
0: Yeah, and so last year was on the Gear VR, which is, you know, relative to the VR industry has been out of use, let's say, in terms of the broader industry, but that's the gear that you had and you had like over a hundred different headsets and that's you kind of made do with the tech. But this year we basically have like HTC Elite, which is like the cutting edge of what VR, mixed path through XR devices have to offer. So how did that partnership with HTC come about?
1: Well, the other thing I would say, the side of the artists and the people who are in the independent space using technology, there's also the other side of that story, which is there are people in the, the corporate space and the people who you think of as, are they just a big company that actually are employing people who are like Zara from HTC, is someone who... Understood what we were trying to do and wanted to support us. And it wasn't because we were doing a big branding exercise or anything. She was someone who, who's an example of someone who is looking at the way this technology is being used outside of just a BMW advert or uh, a really expensive installation. So I think there's the two sides of it, you know, in the independent space using new tech, but also in the corporate space and the sort of the tech space merging with the art and the independent world. So we kind of met in the middle, I guess.
0: So yeah, I guess the other aspect of the spirit of you know, going on a journey in some ways, I felt like in this experience, I, I felt like I had a little bit more agency to be able to direct where I was going and I could see the other people. It felt like it was one of those types of experiences where I felt the presence of other people, even though they were kind of represented by these little circles. But it made me realize that I could actually guide myself around. And so maybe get, talk about trying to take people on a journey, and what kind of journey were you trying to take people on with this experience?
1: Well, in a way, I think there's two questions there. Because the one thing is, like, if we are using this medium, this medium has its roots in gaming, right? Using a game engine, you suddenly have to understand the kind of 40 years of game design. And in game design, it's like, what's the agency? Like, what agency do I have? Like, how do I interact with it? And I think in the early stages of VR, you can tell that from the 360 videos, and there were some amazing ones, but there is a point where you think, okay, this is just the last medium it's still just video I'm not interacting with it I'm not doing anything and whereas an entire generation of people have grown up with mediums that you can interact with like so in, in a game you're you are powerful you can fly somewhere you can and I think we've, we've tried as hard as we can to put as much of that in this so there are things that if people who because a lot of people aren't gamers who come to see it and there's loads of people who are who are VR gourmets if you like and so being able to say, look, in Half-Life Alex, we found this one mechanic that we really loved. And we can do something that's a nod to that. But also, if someone doesn't, we don't want someone to have to feel like they have to go through a hoop or get, collect a token or do this other thing. So they're kind of hidden within the experience. But the aim is to say, you can be someone who doesn't play video games and is used to passive media, which always sounds like a, you know, a condescending term, but media that you don't interact with but also there is a playability aspect to it, which from the perspective of a musician, or someone, you know, I, I made music videos before I made films, I've worked in a, the linear mediums. For me, this is a brand new thing, because you have to think, okay, it's not like the song starts and the song ends. It's the song starts, and I have to understand that one of the users might look at this thing, or I have to understand that one of the users, because there's an element of randomization, they might appear in this area. And how do you use the things that are, you know, the, the, the sort of Valve game design? Which is you don't want to have a big instruction saying, only do this and you have to collect that. You want the user to feel like they've they've learned it on their own and they're being guided by their curiosity rather than just on rails.
0: Yeah, and I'm curious to ask about the ritualistic nature of playing essentially the one song which is like seven to ten minutes and you you have like seven people that can see it at the same time and then so you have people queuing and then so you have like from like seven fifteen to nine forty, you're playing here so somewhere between 10 to 15 or more shows that you just did and then as you're playing you're able to live mix the different journeys that people have and so curious to hear about that aspect of like the live dynamic nature of like as you keep playing it as opposed to just having one fixed way that people are going through it. And kind of also the repetitive nature of this ritualistic experience of singing the same song over and over for like two hours.
1: Yeah, that's another good question. I guess the ritualistic nature of it is in a way our, our cheat code. And it's why when we even had the Gear VRs that were, when we were at South By last time, all the tech companies had things that were light years ahead, but they didn't have that strange magic of you're queuing up, you're going to a show, you know, it's the difference between listening to an MP3 and going to see a, a band play live. Is that there are subtle differences, and you're in that room, and there's all these magical things that happen. Which is, you know, the the ritual of performance that you go to go back to the the Greeks. Why are we taken on this strange journey when we go to somewhere and someone performs, whether it's theatre or it's music? And with this, it's like people are already wanting to be immersed. So you've almost got past that. You know, when you go to a CES and you're walking past a thousand trestle tables with people saying try this VR experience and you put on a thing and there's people walking past it's actually harder for them to get you immersed because you've already you're not in that kind of state whereas when you go into the cinema and you smell popcorn and you sit in a darkened room with red seats and the curtains go back you're already buying into this idea that you're going to get lost in something and so for us it's like it fast forwards the immersion of it by it being a ritual of performance and then, in answer to your question about the repetitive nature of it for us as performers it 's like, well, what are we actually doing there if it isn 't different every time? you know like we might as well we might as well, and then the people've spoken to us about it, it's like well especially tech companies, you could just franchise it and just have engineers that go and they hit spacebar and the song plays, which has, which is a good argument you know because actually you know the, the flights are expensive and <laughs> hotels are expensive, so I like the idea of that but then it 's like well, the whole point of the magic of doing it is this, which is why we installed this thing where rather than the, the scenes being triggered automatically, so I know that at the chorus I'm going to fly you over a lake, I know that the bit that's the verse, I want the cameras to kick in so you can see the musicians and other ones. I'm doing it live because it means I can perfect it. So by the last one I've got it really down. It's nerve-wracking because it means the first one can often be quite ropey. But with the idea of doing it live, it means that I can almost try and read the audience, so on certain performances you can see people really getting into it, and I think, okay, these people are really up for kind of flying through the lake slightly faster. I've got a kind of a velocity for how fast they fly. And if they're not, I'm like, okay, let's kind of tone it down a bit, let's like ease them into it and stuff. And I think that's, that's the whole point of this is, where's the gray area between performance, video game culture, kind of concert, you know?
0: Yeah, I really appreciated the pass through moments because it feels like it's a bit of like building and releasing of tension, where I'm putting into these virtual spaces and kind of taking on a a adventure into like some sort of randomized set of different locations and contexts, whether it's a forest or like more urban landscapes or you know into over mountains, and so you have lots of different virtual explorations and then i cut back and then i see the stage and i'm back into this moment where i'm really fully receiving the song and just to feel the music that's around me is this other immersive aspect of the experience and so you know but to you know have that feeling of going into away from being present in the visuals of what's happening into this other etheric imaginal world and then coming back into seeing this and through this mixed reality pass through with these different filters are kind of modulating augmenting it i thought that was really effective plus it was i really enjoyed the song and there is a ritualistic aspect of kind of hearing the song over and over in the anticipation of like what's it going to look like yeah. but yeah i felt like there was a nice payoff to feel that like transportative nature of the vr and then to be grounded in the reality and so like there's something about that juxtaposition that i felt worked really well and i don't know I, there's mixed reality pass so imagine that people are going to be augmenting things and sort of overlaying but i like being able to kind of flip out of the different levels of reality. So anyway, i just i just appreciated that juxtaposition.
1: Yeah, i think that that's in a way there's a sort of a metaphor for what music is that you can go to a festival with friends and a song that you've heard a thousand times, a chorus comes in and you are completely transported and then the verse It's sort of the dynamics of music, isn't it? That you get taken to these enormous highs and then you get the point where they're almost delaying the bit, almost sort of teasing that this moment's going to happen. And so for us, it's like, well, we have this palette which everyone can say, okay, did the strobes come in then? Does the distortion come on the guitars then? Or does the drummer do this? But we have this extra tool, which is are they in reality or are they are they not? Which, from a musician or a filmmaker's point of view, is like the dream. You know, it's what you always try and do with a song. It's what every filmmaker wants to do and every musician is just suspend reality momentarily for the viewer or the listener.
0: So I guess from a music perspective, you have the verses and the chorus and so for each of the choruses you see the mixed reality pass through and for each of the verses you're going into the vr is that right
1: well i mean i'm able to change it each time so i'm kind of sometimes i feel like that works and sometimes i don't i uh i have a monitor that so i can see what you guys are seeing and i'm kind of trying to fine-tune it each time i guess and it's interesting because sometimes when i initially started i thought well it makes sense you know in a music video example it's a a drone shot of something and the, the intro comes in and blah, blah blah blah, it goes past the department and then this lead singer starts singing and it's always person on mic. And so when I initially started doing it, I thought, okay, well that's kind of what we should do, right? Because you hear a voice and you're in this room, you, you logically want to be back in the concert. But it's interesting also to flip that, where you're watching a band leading up to the bit and then just when the person's about to sing, that's when you're taken away and then you suddenly start listening to the lyrics and trying to identify whether they have a correlation with the visuals. And it's not even visuals, it's the environments, which has been a big leap for us to try and get And last of all, one of the things that was based on your feedback last time, which I don't know if, if you felt it as much this time, was we've learned that people can linger in those spaces a lot longer. Because initially I was almost treating it like an edit, like going, okay, then the verse comes in and you go there and and, and we found actually some people just wanna fly across a mountain for 25 seconds and, the, and it almost, that, that break, between I'm watching a concert, I'm watching a concert, they start to forget they're watching a concert. And then when you bring them back, it's more effective than if you sent them through, you know, a roller coaster and a, a lake and a, whatever. So, yeah.
0: yeah, I thought the pacing worked really well in terms of, like, how it was... I, I didn't notice that it was, like, too long or too short. It just felt just right. And I also really appreciated the... I mean, you, you're singing a song, but you also have, like the onboarding and offboarding and as you hear it you hear sort of a narrative aspect of like what's it mean about VR and kind of like you're in reality this is real you know kind of like this these questions these existential questions and philosophical reflections that come up and our explorations of XR and what's it mean to be in these augmented spaces and to create these new relational dynamics. So also really appreciated that in terms of like not only having the musical component, which I really love, but also the narrative aspect of the narration. So yeah, I don't know if you have any other comments on that part. Cause I felt like that worked really well as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's almost a kind of out of respect for how powerful this medium is. That it's so easy just to be like, turn everything up to 11, send them on a roller coaster. Which is, you know, everyone remembers that kind of first VR experience, when it was that. And it's like, well, it's so early for this medium. We are still at the, like, people running away because the train goes past the cinema screen moment where okay well then there are these new things that we can say with it and it might be a bit of a kind of a almost over obvious way of doing it but we thought you know that having an incredible voiceover so we worked with eric Delams, who is a voiceover artist who was in fallout he was in skyrim and in the wire as an actor and all this and his voice is so commanding and we thought well maybe these moments where we're letting these people be in these spaces it almost felt like a documentary or a, a video essay and really trying to say, look, this isn't just going through a video game and isn't one of the worlds. This medium is hugely significant. And regardless of whether how many headsets are selling and how many of you know, what's happening with Meta or whatever, it is a symbol of how we're increasingly moving into this world where the real and the virtual are warping and the area between them is becoming more vague, a kind of a gray area. And so having this guy Talk about the sort of thoughts and the implications of that in a kind of an abstract way, I guess, as well. He's sort of talking. There's a lot of metaphors in there, and there's a lot of things that aren't ramming at home. But we, that that felt really um, powerful to us to so sort of to make the audience realize this isn't just go on a roller coaster or a mental light show for a band. But that there's some sort of heart to it, I guess.
0: Awesome. And final question: What do you think the ultimate potential of VR and future of music might be and what it might be able to enable
1: I sort of think about this every time I listen to a podcast and I, I'm fascinated by people's answer in this. And I I think that like I feel as though my my uh, answer to it evolves every time every time we do a show like this or every time I listen to a podcast like yours and I think at the moment I'm really realising that there's this slightly counterintuitive thing which it does help us connect to reality more and I feel like it's almost a cliche but it's the moment where you take the headset off and reality seeps back in that that's almost the most powerful thing because you have had these experiences that we used to only be able to have through religion or psychedelics or in dreams and the fact that these things can be switched on and switched off through technology and hardware i think that that for me says that the ultimate potential of it is that we can have all the things that we were promised by religion and by political movements and this idea of, it sounds like the most hippie thing in the world, but it's it's true, you know, that those people in that room were connected in a virtual world that doesn't exist, they were taken out of their bodies, they flew over cities and then they returned to reality. And I think that the potential of it, we're only just at the tip of the iceberg, but the potential of it is that we won't be bound by the things that I think are the worst aspects of humanity, which is you don't think of outside your body, you don't think of anyone else. You think of this as your only life and the only form of reality and that, that it can be expanded by tech is I think a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah that's what Jaron Lanier says is that the virtual reality experience starts when you take the headset yeah, yeah. off. So any final thoughts or any well, last yes, things we'll to the immersive community?
1: Yeah, I mean we've we're really since we last spoke we've been able to take it around the world so it's been incredible to go to Copenhagen to Dubai we've also been commissioned to create experiences so one we did in schools in Scotland which was about the history of Scotland and stone circles and I think that you know we're being booked for lots of different shows and we're excited to play things that are electronic festivals but also XR events and so keep an eye on our Instagram and or if you have an event give us a shout
0: Awesome. Well, really enjoyed the show. See a lot of evolution and progress. And thanks again for uh, joining me today on the podcast to help break it all down. So thank you.
1: Thanks so much. Ian. Keep making your podcast and keep sharing the ideas that you discover and you have because they're, they're inspiring. Awesome. Thank you.
0: So that was Roman Rapak. He's with Mirror Shot Band and also the Wristband Platform. And we were talking about the mixed reality performance that he had there at the venue in Austin, Texas, using HTC Elite mixed reality headsets. So I've had a different takeaways about this interview is that, first of all, well, I really, really think they got this dialed in in terms of having a really nice immersive experience i mean you're sitting there and you're kind of waiting and anticipating and getting into seeing this piece and so you're hearing the song and then you get in there and you kind of have this initial exploration of this world that's a little bit more of a cinematic i guess you could say of introducing you and there's this audio in the background that's talking about all this deeper philosophical aspects of what's it mean to be in virtual reality because you know roman is a very deep thinker about virtual reality and in the conversation that i had with him last year he talked about how he's been listening to the voices of our podcast for years and years and years and and getting a lot of deep inspiration from many different people across the xr industry and so this more philosophical reflections about the nature of what this medium is and what it means to be engaging with these mixed reality and virtual reality experiences and being on this forefront of the fusion of music and immersive entertainment and immersive experiences and having this kind of more philosophical reflection about that that was overlaid on top of this immersive experience as you're going through this journey and then the music on top of that that kind of flipped back and forth forth between the chorus and the verse having these immersive experiences where you're moving around and then seeing Roman on stage the pacing I think actually this year was a lot better I think I had made a comment to him last year that they took back and having a lot more ability for people to spend time in these different places and he's live mixing at the same time. So it makes it more interesting for him to do this live performative aspect of it, which I think gives a certain element of the liveness of the live performance because they are performing live. And so it's slightly different each time, but he's also mixing the virtual experiences for each people. So they're getting slightly different tunings for experimenting with what works the best depending on the crowd. There's different people that he's got this monitor that he's watching. And so like a DJ, he's paying attention to what's happening in the crowd and being able to engage with them in different ways. I would have personally liked to see the speed at which I was moving through some of these places to be a little bit faster. I was able to move my head and have a little bit of agency, It was essentially based upon head pose of where you're looking at and you would go in that direction and you'd see the representation of other people that were in the show with you, kind of like a dot with a line behind them. So you did get a bit of this social presence with other people, but I would have liked to see a little bit more agency to be able to explore around a little bit. But I really like that idea of flipping back and forth between the virtual exploration and journey and the mixed reality performance and i would also like to see a little bit more filters and playing with how you can start to modulate that mixed reality framing because there was only one way of kind of having that mixed reality pass through and it was like maybe the same filter but i would have liked to see a little bit more like edge detection or other kind of variants around the different ways that you kind of play with the mixed reality component but very early in its iteration I'm sure they will continue to develop it and evolve it as time goes on and yeah I feel like they really got it dialed in this year like last year I could see the the semblance of where they're going but just like the latency with the gear VR and the pass through wasn't nearly as compelling and I think they've done a lot of things in the back end to make it so that it's like so much more of a compelling immersive experience for everybody so yeah really excited to see where this continues to go because I feel like there's something there for having this live performance like what is the liveness of the live because a lot of these like music concert experiences are all like pre-recorded and there is something that's qualitatively different when you're like sitting at a live performance and you see like all the little imperfections or you can see the embodied presence of folks and also to feel the sound and the subwoofer and just the context of going into that concert venue and like all the different things that you go into a movie theater of the ritual of going to see a theater performance the ritual of going to a concert is similar in the sense of You know, you kind of wait in line, you go through the bouncer, ID checked, you're in this context where there's a stage and then you go into this immersive experience. And so all the different contextual dimensions that are priming you into this live performative element. So I feel like that's another aspect that they're giving an intimate experience for their fans before they actually have the larger concert that happens later so anyway really excited to see where they continue to take this idea and continue to iterate it and develop it as they move forward and the risk platform is another outlet where they're continuing to do these different types of explorations so that's all i have for today and i just wanted to thank you for listening to the voices of vr podcast and if you enjoy the podcast then please do spread the word tell your friends and consider becoming a member of the patreon This is a business reporter podcast, and so I do rely upon donations from people like yourself in order to continue to bring you this coverage, so you can become a member and donate today at patreon.com slash voices of VR. Thanks for listening.